T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. So why not bring in Matt Verderam of Fansided here to join me to talk a little, Chiefs, and talk about this trade that went down yesterday. But first and foremost, Matt, uh, good afternoon to you, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure having you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Well, I wanted to bring you on because I thought it was fitting to uh, to talk about this trade that sort of snuck up on me, at least yesterday. We were on air doing our mock draft yesterday, and kind of right before we kicked off and got on uh, got on air, the, the trade between the, the Ravens and the Chiefs, and Orlando Brown heads over to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for uh, the 31st overall pick the Ravens will now uh, have in this upcoming draft on, uh, on Thursday night, and uh, a couple of other picks as well. Overall, when you looked at this trade... Uh, um, as the details sort of trickled through a couple minutes afterwards, what were your original thoughts um, when you saw the trade? I think obviously you and I would probably agree it's a home run for Kansas City. Kansas City now takes care of their left tackle position long term. I actually, Matt, think it was a smarter and better terms of value than going out and signing Trent Williams for whatever they ultimately, I think $120 million or some kind of crazy number that he ultimately signed in San Francisco for. I think they end up with a player with a... I think a longer-term future um, there in Kansas City, and probably um, longer a, a longer window of top-end tier play. So, what, what's your overall thoughts about the trade, and, and and maybe from both perspectives? So, my first thought was, how the heck did Kansas City also get a second round pick? My thought as well. Like, <laughs> I, I was stunned by. In fact, actually, when I saw this, when I saw Adam Schefter tweeted out, I texted a source right away um, who had knowledge of the trade and said, "Are these, are these the correct terms?" I just thought, I mean, as great as Adam is, I thought maybe there was just an error. He just he had a typo, and they said, no, that's, that's correct. That's what it is. Okay. Um, look, I, I think, you know, ultimately, depending on what value chart you use, the Chiefs basically gave up either a late first or a mid-round, you know, second-round pick um, for Brown. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's 24 years old. He had 800 snaps at left tackle last year. He didn't give up a sack. He didn't give up a quarterback hit. Um, if you're Baltimore – my opinion is if you're going to trade him, then you need to be trading him to a team that, A, can't hurt you. And if you're going to right. trade him to a team that can hurt you, then they need to overwhelmingly pay out the nose. Like you, 
you can't just walk away and say, well, it was the best deal. Well, then the best deal shouldn't have happened. Matt, I think kept him. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, uh, if you go back a couple of years with the Bills, do you not feel like the Bills got more for Cordy Glenn than the Ravens got for Orlando Brown? I think that was a far better deal yeah. for Buffalo. I think it's a, yeah, and, and I, I just look at it and say, if you're Baltimore, like, the, all, the other alternative is they didn't have to trade him. They could have right. just said, look, you're, you're going to play the last year's rookie. It's, by the way, according to my sources, he's going to play on this year in Kansas City. They're not going to give him an extension immediately. So they could have just said, you're going to play this last year. You're going to play right tackle and deal with it. And then you know what? We still have leverage because we can franchise tag. Yep. Which he is worth a franchise tag. Like if, if this, if he's a good year in Kansas City and they can't come to terms right away, they'll just tag him. Yep. So financially, it's not as though by going to Kansas City, Brown is getting this incredible deal. I think the Chiefs will eventually pay him long term. But Kansas City can take this year by year for at least two years. And Baltimore could have done the same thing. And I get it. You could say, well, he wasn't happy. Well, a lot of guys in NFL aren't happy. Like, it's, it's not like everybody's got to be thrilled to death with every single little thing. So, look, I thought if you're Baltimore, if you're going to trade into the Chiefs and fix their easily their biggest need, then you need to make them pay an astronomical yep. price. And I, I don't think they did it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And at the immediately, the Cordy Glenn trade popped up to me because essentially they used Cordy Glenn as a pawn piece to move up in that draft. And if yep. you're going to trade Orlando Brown, like that's what I'm thinking. Like if you're if you're the Ravens sitting at 27 and you're saying to yourself, man, I just don't know if Rashad Bateman's getting here. I don't know if one of these top four receivers are here. We don't love the idea of adding Elijah Moore into this offense because we feel it's a little redundant with Hollywood Brown. Let's use Orlando Brown to move into the top 15. Now that's a trade that I think makes a lot of sense to me. But moving and getting yourself back into the end of that round. The Ravens now have given themselves an opportunity to put two fifth-year options on the table, which I think is always good if you can try to stack those. Having right. said that, at 27 and 31, Matt, unless they're going to bungle those up and try to move up, it just feels like they missed an opportunity to try to move up in this draft to secure maybe one of the top three or four receivers by basically saying we'll just accept the 31st pick, which is later than their other pick. It just from Just from a pure asset shift and moving assets around the yeah. fact that they gave up that additional second and they only end up with the 31st overall pick it just it, it was a little baffling to me that the Ravens didn't because they I think I agree with you I think they could have asked for a lot more and probably could have gotten it from Kansas City if I were Eric DaCosta I would have said look instead of all these picks like the third and the fourth because in reality it's almost like a fourth and the fifth for Kansas City so I would have said instead of those picks give me Nicole Hardman like give me give me somebody who can help our offense because we have no receivers. I mean, they signed Sammy Watkins, which is fine when he's healthy. I mean, everybody in Buffalo knows about Sammy Watkins. If he's healthy, he's good, but he's not healthy very often. So, like, if if I were the Ravens, I would say, look, you you keep your fourth round pick and next year's fifth right. round pick. Keep all those picks other than your first round pick. Give, give us McCall Hart. Like, give us somebody who's young and who can develop. Not if Chiefs would have done that. But I at least would have asked for it. I would have tried. Um, I just think in that situation, like, if you're Baltimore, right? Like, to me, they entered yesterday anyway. We're the third-best team in the AFC behind Kansas City and Buffalo. The whole point is to win the Super Bowl. Like, going 10 and, well, now 10 and 7 or 11 and 6, who cares? It doesn't matter. They've gotten to the playoffs the last three years. They've gotten nowhere in the playoffs. They scored three points in Buffalo last year. Like, to me... Trading Orlando Brown is certainly not helping that cause. And, and then, 
on top of that, you help the team that you're chasing the most. Yeah. Like, you, you not only got worse, you're helping the other team get exponentially better. So I just, to me, I just think Baltimore would have been far better off just putting their hands in their pockets at that point and saying, okay, fine, we'll just play it out. Matt Verderam here of Fansided. He joins me on the Western Hotline. We're uh, starting our conversation talking a little bit about this trade that went down yesterday between the Chiefs and the Ravens. And that's sort of the layer of this, Matt, that I think maybe makes the least amount of sense. Is I was talking with my with Sal Capaccio here of WGR this morning, and we were talking about, you know, if the, if the board sort of plays out like our mock draft played out yesterday, which is basically the Bills aren't in a really great position to really get anything that they were looking to potentially get at 30, which is a, a scenario that could very well happen. Well, maybe you then consider trading back, and maybe there's a team, right. I was thinking like Washington or New England, who maybe don't secure that quarterback in the first round that say, I really love David Mills, or I really love Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask, and we're going to move back into the end of the first round to go get that guy so we can secure that fifth-year option, right? Like, that could be an that could be an opportunity. And Sale basically said, no way, you don't trade with New England for an opportunity, even if you don't like David Mills and you know that's who they're going to take. You don't give them a an opportunity to to swing at a franchise quarterback. You don't even allow it to happen. And although they're not division foes, you can make listen. If you want to say the Bills are ahead of the Ravens, I think it's really close. I think you can probably sell me in either direction. It's the point of the team that you have to get over the top. The mountaintop is Kansas City. And I would be beside myself to watch the Bills trade any piece, whether it was consequential or not, even if it was a depth player, saying you're going to help them be better seems like a really weird proposition considering the Ravens are damn close. And last year, they looked to take a step forward from the year past, too. Like, I thought the Ravens got better last year, even though they weren't as explosive on offense. So, like, I don't know, man, from the... Just from the competitive balance perspective, it makes doesn't make a lick of sense to me. First of all, I, look, I, I think the Bills at this point, like as someone who's followed Kansas City my entire life, I mean, growing up as a fan, even though I grew up actually in New York, I, I grew up as a Chiefs fan in the, in the 90s. And so uh, now that I cover the league, look, I'll, I'll always have a you know, soft spot for them. I think the reality is that Kansas City, the only team that I look at in the AFC and think if the Chiefs don't play their best game, they could lose to them is Buffalo. Uh, Baltimore's not beating the Chiefs, ever. They can't throw the ball. Yeah, It just doesn't matter. I got. I don't care what Baltimore does. First of all, Baltimore blitzes like crazy. And against the Chiefs, that's, just, that's instant death. If you blitz them, it, they're just begging for Mahomes to throw for 400 yards. Buffalo has the quarterback that could go into a game with him and do it. Now, now they, they haven't done it yet. I know the AFC title game got away from the Bills or anything else. The, the Bills have a lot of talent. And to me, by the way, if I'm Buffalo in the first round of this draft, if there's an edge rusher that they like, I'm paying a price to get them. Yeah, I agree. Because that everybody talks about. Well, they need a running back. Well, you can get a running back in the third round. They don't. I mean, NTN or Najee Harris. That's all fine and good. The Bills aren't beating Kansas City because they have a running back. Mm-hmm. The Bills need to get a, a, an edge rusher who can get pressure, especially now, especially after yesterday. Like the Bills have to go out and upgrade. Like if I were Buffalo, if I were Brandon Bean, who by the way I think he's done a phenomenal job with them. I would go out and ask Justin Houston, hey, what, what's your price for a one-year deal? You guys had 20 sacks over the last two years. Like, I would, I would call him and say, what's your price? And then I would also double back. I'd ask Melvin Ingram what yeah. his price is. I would, I'd go into the first round, and I'd sign an edge like, or I'd draft an edge rusher. To me, the Bills need help on the edge. And if they can get that, they become a much bigger threat. I think Baltimore, you know, we talked about how them taking a step forward last year, and I would tend to agree, but now they've lost in Gawkway, they've lost Judon, they traded away Orlando Brown, 
it's really hard to make the case that Baltimore is going to be as good next year. Like, unless you just think their, their rookie class is going to be incredible. Yeah. It's really hard to look at them and say, yeah, they're, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I just, I just don't see that unless Jackson takes a leap that I don't think many people think you will in the passing game. Yeah, and and I guess that's kind of where I wanted to, what I want to ask you about Baltimore here is, you know, I, I think they're in a position now if they want to use those picks, package them up and trade up. I think they've got the tools to, you know, to get up in the top fifteen, top sixteen picks. Yeah. Um, and if they're able to do that, I, I mean, what do you believe? I, I just I I would be shocked if Jalen Waddle is there at fifteen, sixteen. I think that's a little too high for him. But I don't want to say that like a Devonte Smith or Rashad Bateman being there is totally out of the question. So if let's say right now, Matt, the Ravens they leave this draft next Thursday in the first round with let's use let's do Rashad Bateman. I like him a lot. I think he could really kind of go anywhere from like twelve to twenty eight. Like I think there's a really wide range for him. I think teams I think more teams yep. like him higher than maybe a lot of mock drafters are even giving him credit for. But let's say they walk away with Rashad Bateman. What do you believe that does with Sammy Watkins and some of the other pieces? Obviously Mark Andrews and do you believe that makes them legitimate, or do you believe you could throw Julio Jones in that offense right now, and it wouldn't matter because the volume in which they pass wouldn't get any receiver or allow all three of those receivers to be involved enough to really have an impact? Yeah, so I'll answer it this way, because I've written this a few times. Like, this offseason, I expect Josh Allen to get a mega extension. I just I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. He's been great. He's proven he can win the playoffs. He had He had an MVP caliber year last season. Like to me, if, if he talks, if he sits down with Brandon Bean, he says, look, I want $42 million a year. I think the Bills just pick, okay. That seems, seems about fair. Um, and I think, you know, maybe it's 40, something like that. But I think that these are the Bills, even though he's only had one great year. He, he did some stuff last year. The thing is, I think he's going to repeat. And I think you make that move. If you're the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson sits down with you and says, I want $40 million a year for the next yeah. five years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not going to do it because I've reached out to a ton of league sources on this over the last half of months and said, what would you do? And most people say basically, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I would wince and I'd pay him. And I, I think they will. I think they will pay him. But your reaction is kind of the reaction I've gotten from everybody I've asked around the league. Like, hey, you're an agent. Hey, you're a GM. You're a pro personnel director. Like, what would you do? And the thought process is I'd be terrified, but I'd probably pay him. And – Look, he's, he's a great kid. He's gotten better. He's obviously electric just from an athletic standpoint. He's got a big enough arm. But when you watch the way they play, when he has to just drop back and throw the ball, they struggle immensely to move the football. And I just look at them and say, they could add Bateman or Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore, whoever you want to throw in there. But if he doesn't become a better passer outside the numbers – I don't know that it really matters. Like, would it make him a little bit better? Sure. I mean, you'd rather throw to one of those guys maybe than, like, Willie Sneed. But, sure, yeah. Do, but do I think, like, that elevates them? Because to me, they'll, they'll win in the regular season because they're really well coached and they're a weird team to defend and they're talented enough and they, and they, they kill bad teams. They always have to stack in there. They'll win enough games just in that matter. But when you get to the playoffs and it's Buffalo and it's Kansas City, you're playing against teams – they're going to throw the ball, they're going to get chunk yards, and they're going to score. And he, he's going to have to be able to lead the offense that scores 30 points. And if they can't do it, they're just not going to win. And they're not going to be able to do it by running the ball 60 times. That's where I, I just have a stumbling block. I cannot get past the ball. 
national NFL reporter for Fansided and Stacking the Box podcast host Matt Verderem here on the Wester Hotline. Matt, I want to move away from Baltimore and ask you if you so knowing the conversation we just had that I that I and I agree with you that I think talent wise overall, especially defensively, which was sort of their claim to fame. I think Calais Campbell's a year older, which you know that window is shrinking on his ability to play at a really high level. I think defensively they take a step back, and I think offensively without Orlando Brown and whoever they're going to slot in, I think they're also worse there. So if we think, and I agree with you, that that Baltimore ultimately takes a step back, and maybe that's into Tier 2, who's the team that you believe maybe steps up in place? It could, and, and I think Cleveland, could. you could make a case that that team's, I think maybe the obvious choice is Cleveland. The one I might argue is maybe the Chargers, but I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on maybe who steps in to that maybe the, 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 the next team that is most going to compete with the Bills and Chiefs for the top of the AFC. Yep. I love the Chargers as a sleeper pick because Herbert's fantastic. And I think they've had a really smart offseason. They've fixed up that offensive line. They still need to do more, but I think they will in the draft. I think they're a team that I could see Christian Darishaw going there in the first round, or even Rashawn Slater if he somehow gets there. Um, the, the, the problem I have with the Chargers is first-time head coach, guy who's been in the league for four years. Doesn't mean he's not going to end up being a good coach, but that is – that's a big leap for me, for him to come in there, run that show. They lost some pieces defensively, Melvin Ingram, who they could retain, obviously still out there, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perriman. The problem also with the Chargers is they're in the division with Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So unless you just think they're going to go out of their minds this year, at best they're going to be a wildcard team on the road. To me, the team is Cleveland. I think Cleveland at this point is the best team in that division. I don't know that I even think it's really that close. Uh, Pittsburgh, to me... Roethlisberger is just done. We yep. saw that the second half of last year. He fell off. They lost a ton of guys this last season. Baltimore, I think, will give Cleveland somewhat of a run. But I think, you know, the Browns finally found the coach in Kevin Stefanski. They have a great offensive line. They have weapons. They can run the ball. They can throw. I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield guy. I think he's an average quarterback. I think he's basically going to be Derek Carr. But you can win games yep. if, De- if you're Derek Carr if the team around him is good. I like that they – defensively, like, I'm not a huge clowny guy, but, but bringing him in at least gives you something else on the edge. I do think that is the Achilles heel for them. They do have to get better defensively, although John Johnson coming in, Troy Hill from the Rams, that'll help the secondary. So, And they get Grant Delford back, who, who was their second-round pick at LSU to safety towards ACL last year. So I, I like the Browns. I thought the Browns, you know, winning a playoff game, getting that monkey off their back, you know, they went to Kansas City, and okay, look, they were they were getting beat somewhat handily, and then Mahomes got hurt and became a game. But I think Cleveland's that, that team that could be a third team that on divisional round weekend is interesting, and you're not just saying, oh, well, that, that they have no chance. I, I, think, I think they make a lot of sense. Tennessee, to me, is the other one to maybe look at, but I don't love their offseason. Yeah, they, me they either, man. They lost a lot off that offense. And to me, I like, I like Bud Dupree and Danico Archer. I think they're both good players, but they lost their whole secondary. So I... I think Tennessee's kind of like Indy. Like, they're okay. If you catch them on the wrong day, they can be a problem, but I don't think they have as much juice as Kansas City, as Buffalo, and as Cleveland. Yeah, and I was wondering kind of what your overall thoughts are of what what Carson Wentz means for Indianapolis. I, I I'll say this. I was surprised to see that Phillip Rivers, I thought actually played pretty well at times last year. I thought he played maybe the best game I saw Phillip Rivers play in about three or four years in that wildcard matchup against the Bills. He was, 
you know, tossing up ducks, but they were very accurate ducks, and they were going. It was what yeah. it reminded me of is sort of like Tom Glavin getting up to the, uh, up on the mound and throwing eighty-eight mile per hour fastballs that were just befuddling guys because they're used to hitting ninety-five hundred mile per hour fastballs, right? It was. It's what it felt like. It felt like the timing of the defense was off. The it, the ball would be in the air for five six seconds, um, but it worked for them. But I, it was very clear he was shot and he was done. So knowing that they were able to get to the wild card round, they had. I think pretty legitimate success through the air with a guy whose arm was really at the wit's end of his career. Does Carson Wentz move the needle at all for you with that Indianapolis team? Do you believe they're even marginally better? I think there's, it's possible that they're marginally better. But look, I, I think, you know, when he got moved, it seems like the national general consensus was, oh, this is a huge move for Indianapolis. They made a big move. The Eagles are willingly eating $34 million this year to not have Carson Wentz on the team. I mean, that's that's how bad he was. That's how bad he was last year. Like, I, I do these quarterback rankings every week at Fanside that I spent way too much time on. And I really had a hard time last year being like, well, who's the worst quarterback that's a typical starter in the league? Is it Carson Wentz or is it Drew Locke? You could really go either way. <laughs> now, does being with Frank Wright, does, does he just fix it? Does it all get better? Maybe. I mean, I think Wright is an excellent coach, so it's, it's possible. I think he will be better than he was last year. But to me, better than he was last year is a really low bar, yeah. right? Like, I, I think that they are still a team that will compete for the division. But I think in the end, I think they're about with you know, a 9-8, and 10-7 and seven team. Like, they still don't have weapons that scare you. Jonathan Taylor's great, but their receivers are T.Y. Hilton, who's, who's good but aging, and Michael Pittman, who I do like, but still has to take that jump. We'll see if he can do it in his second year. The Colts are just... That whole division, honestly, I look at the Colts and the Titans and kind of see teams, oh, you can win nine or ten games. You can, you know, be, be a little bit of a thorn in the side to somebody in a playoff game. The thing that will help those two teams is they have Jacksonville and Houston for four games, yeah. which, <laughs> I mean, you've you got to think they're going to go 4-0 in those games. But, look, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how Indy can try to get Wentz back on track. Uh, Matt, last thing I'm going to ask you here is, which has sort of been the theme in the last few weeks when I've had guests on to talk about the draft. Number three pick, uh, I actually had the the pleasure uh, yesterday in our mock draft of getting the opportunity to have the third pick to to mock in our draft, and I went with Trey Lance. Um, I'm really interested in knowing where you think um, the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, what they end up doing at the third pick. And maybe like a secondary question I'd love you to answer um, is I think – after talking with a couple of different people, I've yet to really find anything close to what I would consider a consensus about who they traded up for. I've heard people say, and I probably believe these people that say, I don't think, I think San Francisco moved up knowing Zach Wilson was the number two pick, but not knowing exactly who they wanted to pick. I have a really hard time believing that any team moves up without having at least an idea of the player that they want, and maybe they're open to having another player surprise them. But I think this far in the process, if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and you don't know who you're picking yet, you are in trouble. Um, so kind of just your thoughts on those two, uh, those two facets there, the number three pick. It, Nate, I'll be honest with you. If they made that trade and they didn't know who they were going to take at that point, that's a fireball. Yeah, agreed. Like, <laughs> agreed. You, you better know who you're taking. You're, if you're giving them two firsts and a third, which is a top 100 pick, if you don't know who you're going to pick when you when you give up that amount of draft capital, that's a major, major organizational failure. Now, I have, I have asked what I feel like at this point is a couple dozen people 
what they think, people around the league. And I think that the overall, the overall feeling is, I don't know, who do you like today? I mean, you know, Mac Jones, you hear it a lot. Is, is that what ends up happening? I don't know. To me, I just cannot imagine, and this is just a personal thing, like I just cannot imagine that you trade all that for Mac Jones. But I, I think that's kind of where, if you, if you sample 25 people in the league, I think 15 of them would say Mac Jones, and then maybe you get five and five on Lansing Fields. Um, I think they should take Fields, personally. I think Fields is a really good prospect who's kind of been muddled throughout this process. Um, I think he can really play. But look, no matter what with the 49ers, whoever they pick, they better be right. Because that's the kind of thing that if you're wrong, yeah. everybody's fired in two years. So we'll see how it sticks. They've had some very good drafts in the past. They've also had some drafts that had Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster in the first round. So <laughs> right. we're going to find out. Yeah, man, I totally agree. I think I th- obviously the number three pick is, I think, where the draft starts. Um, yeah. I think it's you know pretty well known that Lawrence and, and, and Wilson are going one, two, and, and that's sort of where the draft starts. I'm, I, I made this comparison yesterday. I felt like remarkably surprised. Like maybe the most surprised I'd ever been about the draft when the Jaguars picked Blake Bortles, um, you know, whatever it was, seven years ago. And I would feel equally surprised, even now, hearing all the people that I respect and I follow that are like really plugged in, all refusing to move off Mac Jones at three. Even knowing that, I would be like notably surprised to see Mac Jones at three. I feel like, that's a completely fair way to look at it. And I talk to people in the league from my job every day, and I walk away from it saying, if they take Matt Jones at three, I just don't know. I don't know how you can look at that and say, man, there's a lot of upside. And maybe we're all just missing the boat. Maybe, maybe Matt yeah. Jones turns out to just be, look, I always believe that the draft, people find themselves, they think they're way smarter than they are, and that includes all of us, like, Everybody last year thought Justin Herbert was a ridiculous reach. Turned out he was pretty good. Yeah, right. Everybody thought Tua was just, how could you pass on Tua? How could you pass on Tua? Tua was not good last year. Like, maybe he turns out to be good. He was not good. They were actively benching him for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay? And, and, and obviously, people in Buffalo remember Week 17, which was one of the bigger calamities yeah. any team had all last year. So, you know, who knows? At this time last year, everybody said, of course you'd take Tua over Herbert. I mean, Herbert would go number one overall now in yeah, that draft. Right. So you never know with this stuff. Who knows? Maybe Mac Jones comes out and he's just, he's just phenomenal. And he's really, really good. And the Niners last for, for years on end. Or maybe, you know what? Everybody was right. And he was surrounded by a million first-round picks. And he's not mobile. And he comes out. And he just can't handle it without superior talent around him. And Trey Lance or Justin Fields or both of them go on to have just phenomenal careers. And you say, my God, how the heck did the Niners pull a Trubisky? Like, how did they do that? How did they miss on Watson and Mahomes, so to speak? So we'll see what happens. But I think it's when you ask people around the league, there's kind of that feeling of like, I think if I had to pick, it's going to be Mac Jones. But I, I I won't believe it until Mac Jones is actually called at number three overall. 
I'm right there with you, man. I, I think that's probably that's a great way to sort of describe uh, and cap what is, I think, going to be a super interesting conversation about what ends up happening. I assume they go the route of Fields or Lance, and we, they don't give us, uh, you know, like any hot things to talk about. That, And I'm hoping that's the case for them. But, uh, Matt, appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for the insight. Thanks for coming on and uh, and sharing some things with us about the draft and uh, and obviously the, this trade that went down yesterday. We'll always appreciate it. Um, enjoy the draft next week, and we'll, uh, we'll have you on again soon, man. Really appreciate it.